I think a little bit of investor interest will go a long way when the total combined market capitalization of all publicly traded uranium companies is now less than $7 billion. Welcome to Proven Improbable, where we deliver mining insights and bullion sales in the form of physical delivery, offshore depositories, and private blockchain distributed ledger technology. Welcome to Proven Improbable. I'm your host, Maurice Jackson. Today, we will highlight a preeminent uranium and thorium explorer in Canada's Athabasca Basin. Joining us for a conversation is Jordan Trimble of Sky Harbor Resources. Mr. Trimble, welcome to the show, sir. Thanks for having me again. Always a pleasure to have you on our program, sir. You have some exciting updates for us regarding drilling. But before we begin, Mr. Trimble, please introduce Sky Harbor Resources and the opportunity the company presents to the market. Sure. So for your listeners that aren't familiar with Sky Harbor, we're a high-grade uranium exploration and early-stage development company. Uh, we have the six projects uh, in the Athabasca Basin, which is in uh, northern Saskatchewan in Canada. Um, it's the highest-grade depository of the uh, uranium in the world. Uh, it's one of the top-ranked mining jurisdictions in the world, uh, as ranked by the Fraser Institute. Uh, really, uh, as a number of people put it, the Saudi Arabia, if you will, of uranium. Um, so we spent the last uh, about six and a half, seven years building up a, a project portfolio. Um, and uh, we, we've done a good job being opportunistic in a uh, bare uranium market. It has been a depressed market for uh, an extended period of time since Fukushima. That's created and presented the opportunity to acquire uh, the asset base, uh, asset base that we've put together. Um, and uh, just to give you some numbers, uh, the projects which uh, do host uh, a couple of uranium deposits, uh, high-grade mineralization, they're at various stages of, of exploration and, and development, but uh, we ranging from earlier stage, uh, more grassroots projects to more advanced stage exploration. Uh, but we've been able to amass this portfolio uh, by spending uh, just under $5 million Canadian, a uh, good chunk of that being uh, paid in stock uh, and in exploration expenditures. Uh, and uh, to, to give shed some light on the potential re-rating uh, for this asset base uh, as we come into a better uranium market, uh, there's been about... $90 million uh, spent in historical exploration invested into the projects. And at one point, two of the projects uh, were in a company that was valued at over $300 million in the last uranium bull market we saw in 2006-2007. Uh, so again, uh, hugely discounted valuations, uh, and uh, we're, we're excited uh, to have this project portfolio uh, that we're now advancing uh, both with uh, with programs and, and exploration and drilling that we're carrying out and funding at our flagship project but as well with partner companies uh, strategic partners that we brought in uh, to uh, help advance some of our secondary projects uh, we do have two strategic partners one of which is Denison Mines they're our largest uh, strategic shareholder they're listed on the New York Stock Exchange and on the TSX, a larger uranium development company. Uh, the president and CEO, David Cates, is on our board. And secondly, we uh, have a partner in Arano, which is France's largest uranium mining and nuclear company uh, based in headquartered in Paris. Uh, they're uh, partners with us at one of our projects called the Preston Project, whereby uh, they're earning in up to 70% of the project by spending $8 million, uh, over a six-year period. And uh, 
provide a quick update on the exploration uh, underway at that project later in the interview. But that's a summary of the company. Uh, I will just note as well, um, we're one of the few remaining active uranium junior mining companies out there. We've seen a major contraction in both the number of uranium companies and the valuations, the equity valuations of these companies. So it is uh, unique uh, in that it is one of the, the, the few ways of gaining investment exposure to this niche market and this specific metal. Uh, uranium, uh, as we know, is uh, not as well followed uh, as other uh, larger market metals. Uh, but it does present its own unique uh, opportunity uh, with uh, a very distinct set of fundamentals. And just recently uh, in the last, really the last week here, we've started to see the price of the metal move. Uh, it's moved almost 20% now off of uh, off of the, its lows. Uh, and uh, I, I think there's good reason to believe that that will continue uh, despite what's happening in the broader market. Uh, and again, uh, as one of a few remaining companies in the sector, um, uh, we, we do offer investors exposure to that rising uranium price. Jordan, how does Sky Harbor's dual prong strategy as a high-grade uranium exploration company, as well as a prospect generator, place shareholders in a competitive advantage among your peers? Yeah, so first and foremost, we are a exploration and discovery story, and uh, there's some notable recent high-grade uranium discoveries that have been made in our neck of the woods in the Athabasca Basin in the last, uh, call it, 12 years. Uh, you look at Hathor uh, back in 2008, 2009. Uh, it was ultimately acquired in a bidding war between Cameco and Rio. It was bought by Rio Tinto in 2012 for over $600 million. Uh, and uh, that uh, uh, discovery, uh, at the, which became the Rough Rider deposit, was uh, highly accretive and, and a lot of value creation for uh, early investors in that story. And then more recently, we've seen uh, new discoveries made by NextGen, by Fission, by Denison at the Griffin deposit. Uh, and, and these are all perfect uh, examples of uh, what high-grade uranium discoveries uh, offer investors. Uh, it's, it's really unprecedented value creation in short periods of time. Uh, we are out there uh, trying to emulate the success that uh, some of these aforementioned companies have had uh, over the last 12 years. We're out there uh, uh, looking to be that next big high-grade uh, discovery story. Uh, the work that we're carrying out, the drilling that we're carrying out uh, to accomplish this is is mostly focused at our flagship uh, Moore project. And just a, a quick history of the project, uh, it's a, uh, an interesting asset uh, that we acquired back in 2016. Uh, we own 100% of it. Uh, it's had uh, a fair bit of historical drilling and exploration and high-grade uranium mineralization was discovered there in the early 2000s. Uh, but a lot of this historical work was focused in um, uh, one or two geological settings in the, in the Athabasca sandstone, which uh, overlies the underlying basement rocks. Uh, and uh, the contact between the sandstone and the underlying basement rocks is called the unconformity. And uh, most of the high-grade mineralization that was discovered historically was either in the sandstone or at the unconformity, with very little work being done into uh, drilling, being done into the underlying basement rocks. Uh, more recently, uh, the, the notable and major discoveries in the basin have been made in the underlying basement rocks. And so uh, it's exciting for us right now because we're now uh, testing 
these underlying basement rocks with uh, recent drill programs and upcoming planned drill programs. We think there's uh, much more uranium uh, to be found in these basement rocks in the feeder zones that uh, where the uranium comes up. And uh, knowing that we have high-grade mineralization at the unconformity and in the sandstone, uh, just to give you an example, we, we intersected in a previous program a few years ago um, a, a zone of 21% U308 uh, uranium over about a meter and a half. We've, we've had other zones of, uh, you know, multi-percent over uh, good widths. And, uh, you know, that's high value rock um, on a value a dollar per ton basis. It's some of the most valuable ore out there. So we know that there's high grade uh, at the sand, in the sandstone at the unconformity. But again, uh, most of the historical work uh, and the work that we've done to date has been, has not been focused uh, in uh, testing the underlying basement rocks. And it's really been um, some uh, new geophysical techniques and, and methodologies, as well as a better understanding of the geology, some new geological modeling uh, that we've carried out over the last year that has refined these basement-hosted uh, targets. So this uh, winter program, uh, which is uh, just wrapping up, um, is uh, w was predominantly focused on drill testing basement-hosted uh, targets uh, and feeder zones. We actually followed up on uh, a discovery hole that we had last year whereby we intersected high-grade uranium mineralization in an exploratory drill hole we drilled into the basement rocks. And so we've, uh, we've gone and followed up on that. We're very happy with the program, uh, and we will have results to follow in, in the next month or two, so keep an eye out for news flow there. Um, the second part of our overall strategy uh, being a prospect generator. Uh, so as I mentioned, we have the six projects that we've acquired uh, in our portfolio. Uh, what we do um, with our other projects outside of our flagship is we look to bring in partner companies that can fund uh, and advance uh, the projects uh, and we can in, in turn also get some cash and stock from these partner companies as they earn in typically a, my, a majority stake uh, in, in the property. Um, so we've consummated two deals thus far, one with our st a strategic partner, Arano, as I mentioned earlier, uh, whereby they have to spend upwards of $8 million to earn in 70% of our Preston project. And another company called Azincourt Energy, uh, which uh, is uh, nearing completion of their earn-in at our East Preston project. There's still a $200,000 cash payment that needs to be made uh, to us. Uh, but they've uh, they funded uh, uh, several million dollars in exploration expenditures uh, and have issued shares and some and have made cash payments. Uh, and they can earn up to uh, they can earn 70% at our East Preston. Uh, project. So those are perfect examples of uh, what the prospect generator model, uh, whereby, again, we package our property up or properties up and look to bring in partner companies that uh, will then fund the exploration and we get cash and stock uh, as well as they earn in and we ultimately become a joint venture partner. So we still have upside uh, with any success in the exploration and development work. Uh, but uh, we don't have to continuously raise market, uh, raise money in the market and dilute. Uh, we can look to monetize the projects versus uh, further dilution. Uh, and uh, it, it's a good complement to our main focus, um, which is making a new high-grade or additional high-grade discoveries at our flagship MORE project. Combining the virtues as a uranium explorer and project generator truly complementary synergies, Sky Harbor is currently conducting three active drill programs on the Preston, 
East Preston, and Moore Lake projects. Please provide us with updates on each one respectively. Yeah, so starting with our flagship Moore project, we announced uh, earlier in the year we had commenced a 2,500-meter uh, drill program, again, testing predominantly basement targets. These are new targets that we've refined and identified in the underlying basement rocks. We think there's a larger, uh, a larger deposit uh, to be found uh, in the underlying basement rocks, given that we, we have uh, high-grade mineralization at the unconformity and in the sandstone um, as I mentioned, we're going to have a results. Uh, we have assays pending from that program, uh, and uh, we're happy with what we've seen. Uh, so keep an eye out uh, for news flow on that, more info and details on that. Uh, that will be forthcoming. Uh, and uh, in all likelihood, uh, we will be following up with additional programs later this year uh, and uh, in 2021. Um, at our other projects, uh, which are partner-funded, uh, as I mentioned, uh, as in court, uh, they have been spending money at our East Preston project. Uh, now, they just uh, completed a uh, approximately 2,000-meter drill program um, and uh, relatively shallow drilling. Following up on a reconnaissance drill program they carried out last year uh, where they had some notable uh, indicator minerals and, and alteration and graphitic uh, conductors that they had uh, drilled a few exploratory holes into, uh, so uh, the results are pending, assays are pending from that program. That'll uh, augment news flow from, from our main uh, program, drill program at our flagship MORE project. Uh, and then uh, last but not least, uh, Orano uh, has commenced uh, and is carrying out a uh, field program at our Preston project as a part of their $8 million earn-in. At that, at that project, uh, what they're doing is a DC resistivity geophysical program, which is designed to uh, refine drill targets for uh, upcoming drill programs at the property. Uh, so that's, uh, that's underway. It'll be wrapping up. And uh, again, we'll have some news flow uh, as results come in from that program. So bottom line is there's multiple irons in the fire, uh, multiple um, opportunities for uh, new discoveries uh, and and more uranium mineralization to be discovered um, at uh, several different projects, and the bulk of it's being funded by partner companies. So that's an important point to note as well. Jordan, I realize there may be some supply chain constraints in reference to the assays, but when should we expect to have some results? Yeah, I mean we haven't heard of any um, disruptions yet at the labs, but uh, I would expect, uh, given that these programs uh, just recently wrapped up. I would expect uh, to uh, see results here probably in the next month to two months here. Um, and uh, we'll have a, you know, a, a pretty steady flow of, of news uh, between the various programs over that, uh, over that period of time, taking us into the summer months. I see that Sky Harbor has added a new member to the board of directors. Please share who was added and provide a summary of their skill sets that they're bringing into Sky Harbor Resources. Absolutely. So we recently announced uh, an addition to our board of directors, a gentleman named uh, Joe Gallucci uh, has, has joined the board. I've been working with Joe for a little while um, over the last several years. Uh, Joe's the uh, head investment banker, mining investment banker at Laurentian Bank uh, in Montreal. Uh, he has uh, a lot of uh, uh, history, uh, extensive history in the mining space as a banker and as an analyst. I uh, previously worked at BMO uh, Capital Markets, uh, GMP Dundee, and was a, a founding principal at 8 Capital, uh, where he led their mining investment banking team uh, before he uh, 
moved over to Laurentian. Uh, he's worked with uh, many, many companies. Uh, he's raised a lot of money for mining companies uh, over uh, through his career. Uh, and, and specifically for us, he, he has uh, he has a history in the uranium sector. He has worked uh, extensively with a number of uranium companies and uh, uh, just uh, I, I, I see him being an integral part to the team going forward. One of the things I will note is ultimately what we are looking to do uh, with Sky Harbor uh, on the back of exploration, success, um, and uh, uh, value creation in the field and, and with our strategic partners. Uh, and, and again, hopefully in a much better uranium market, we, we would ultimately like to sell the company to uh, be the target of an acquisition by a larger company. And I think Joe will uh, be a, a valuable resource to have uh, as a director uh, when that time comes. Uh, so in addition to Joe, um, as he's the most uh, uh, recent addition to the board, uh, we, we do have, a, I'd say, a top-tier team, uh, management and technical team, myself and, and uh, our chairman, Jim Pettit, are uh, based here in Vancouver. Uh, Jim previously ran a gold company that I worked for called Bayfield Ventures, which was uh, ultimately acquired by New Gold. Uh, that's when I uh, started Sky Harbor after uh, in and around the time that uh, Bayfield was acquired. And and uh, my my technical team based in Saskatoon, uh, my head geologist, Rick Kazmersky, who's uh, a 40-year veteran in this sector, uh, focused expertise on uranium exploration and discovery in the Athabasca Basin. He was the exploration manager at the world's largest uranium company, Cameco, for many years uh, before uh, starting and uh, his own uranium junior company called JNR, which ultimately he sold to Denison Mines. Uh, and that's when uh, he, he joined our team uh, when we started Sky Harbor. Uh, a couple of other uh, uh, people on the advisory board include uh, uh, Paul Matizic, who's uh, well-known in our industry, uh, having built and sold a handful of mining companies over the last 12 years. And uh, his biggest win was a uranium company called Energy Metals Corp., which he sold for $1.8 billion in, in 2007. Uh, so uh, a very well-rounded team with uh, management and capital markets expertise, uh, as well as uh, focused expertise uh, in the Athabasca Basin, uranium exploration and development in Saskatchewan. There have been some recent notable developments in the uranium sector, including the suspension of operations at Cigar Lake in response to the virus. Can you give us your thoughts on these recent developments? Absolutely. So, uh, as I pointed out earlier, we have seen the, the price of the metal move uh, recently. Uh, we've, we've seen a, uh, almost a 20% uh, increase in the spot price uh, on the back of um, the recent announcement of suspension of operations and production at Cigar Lake uh, and the and the McLean Lake Mill uh, that uh, that processes the ore from Cigar Lake. Cigar Lake uh, accounts for uh, just uh, just under or just over 13 percent of global primary mine supply. It is a massive mine um, and uh, it's, it's the highest grade operating uranium mine in the world. Uh, it's Cameco that uh, is the uh, majority owner of it and operator. Uh, we They've guided that it's gonna be an initial uh, four week suspension uh, due to health concerns uh, surrounding COVID-19 and the coronavirus, uh, however, um, my gut is telling me that uh, that, that could uh, be longer. We could see uh, an extended suspension. Um, I, I believe that you're going to see a restart 
uh, of that operation of that mine based not on um, you know the the, the uh, underlying health concern uh, that they, the the reason that they put, uh, took it offline, but uh, for the look at the economic and commercial factors of restarting the mine. Um, as we know, they shut down uh, their other large operation and, and mine in uh, the basin uh, a couple of years back, MacArthur River. It's been offline for a little while now, and they shut that down because of the low uranium price environment. Uh, as a result of that, um, they've had to buy a uh, fair bit of material over the last little while in the spot market. Uh, just before um, the uh, coronavirus um, uh, caused a number of these these uh, operational shutdowns. Cameco uh, recently came out with their uh, with quarterlies that stated that they would have to buy between 20 to 22 million pounds of uranium. Uh, they'd have to acquire that from somewhere, um, and in order to meet their contract delivery. So they uh, have contracts uh, with uh, pre-negotiated contracts with. Uh, utility companies and purchasing managers, fuel buyers, uh, that they uh, are required to deliver uh, into. Now, that hasn't changed uh, with everything that's going on. They, they're still required to make those deliveries. So with uh, the MacArthur River mine having been shut down, they've been forced to buy material, a good chunk of material in the spot market and or draw down inventories. They've drawn down uh, inventories well below their guided to minimal threshold, so they don't have that as an option anymore. They have to acquire uh, that material um, uh, either by purchasing it in the market and or finding it from some other secondary supply source. Uh, these secondary supply sources or inventories are drying up. Uh, that's, that's looking like it's becoming a less viable option for them, and in fact, they stated in those recent quarterlies and earnings uh, that uh, they would likely be having to buy most of that 20 to 22 million pounds in the spot market. Well, that was, uh, that was a couple months ago. And fast forward now with the other large mine that they've shut down at Cigar Lake, that number has just increased dramatically from the 20 to 22 million pounds. So uh, with Cigar Lake shut down, if it is shut down for any further extended period of time, more than the month that they've initially guided, uh, then that means that they'll have to, again, find that material from somewhere else, likely will have to be in the spot market. And we've already seen in the last week the spot price tick up from about $24.50 to uh, almost $28, actually. And I think a, a, a chunk of that has been coming from um, the market obviously tightening up with, uh, with producers having to curtail production. Uh, and, uh, and, and I think also we're going to see utilities uh, likely uh, start buying in the spot market to shore up supply. Uh, just to kind of give, give a, some stats here, there's uh, uh, seven uh, mines account for over two-thirds of global uh, supply in, in, with this metal. So it's highly concentrated uh, amongst just a handful of mines in a couple of jurisdictions. Uh, some other notable areas and mines to look out for uh, in terms of uh, the, the response to the virus uh, is Namibia. Uh, it accounts for about 10% of global primary mine supply. They've already shut it, started shutting down their uranium mines, uh, suspending production there. And then the big one will be Kazakhstan. Kazakhstan accounts for 40% of uh, global supply. Um, and uh, it'll be interesting to see over the coming weeks if there's any supply disruption there, uh, in addition to a couple mines in Australia, including Olympic Dam, 
uh, where uranium is a byproduct, but it nonetheless accounts for about four to five percent of uh, global supply. So major uh, supply disruptions we're seeing because of the virus. I think you could see more of that. Uh, again, if there's any extended uh, at, uh, production curtailment at uh, any one of these mines, that's going to have a, a positive impact on the price. Uh, and as I mentioned before, um, on the demand side and you know, the, the demand for this metal uh, is predominantly in nuclear reactors. It's relatively sticky demand. Um, you're not going to see uh, nuclear reactors aren't easy to turn on and off. So you're not going to see uh, much in the way of uh, a demand shock or demand disruption. I think uh, I think that it's relatively insulated uh, from what's happening globally. Um, you'll see intermittent sources of electricity like wind, solar, uh, that will likely go off uh, uh, first uh, if if there isn't the uh, the electricity demand and consumption uh, that that we normally see. Uh, but in nuclear reactors, they're big big operating plants, and again, they're uh, they're not easy to just simply turn on and off. So I think you see a relatively insulated and sticky demand side in the backdrop of major supply disruptions, in addition to the supply disruptions and curtailment that we've seen already over the last uh, couple of years. Well, you're looking at a multitude of catalysts for the uranium price, which has actually bucked the general market trend recently and is moving higher. Do you see this as a trend continuing? Yeah, I do. Uh, we went over some of the reasons why it's moving higher right now, but I do see this being a trend that continues. Uh, it's important to note that uranium has a very unique and, and distinct set of fundamentals and drivers. It's uh, uh, relatively uncorrelated to the broader market. And what you're seeing right now uh, in this market is uh, a prolonged bear market coming to an end. You're seeing a recovery take place. Uh, and uh, it's, it's right now uh, being supply-driven uh, uh, with these, these recent supply cuts. But um, just to go over some numbers, uh, you know, the supply-demand uh, fundamentals and picture for this commodity are as compelling as any uh, commodity out there right now uh, from a buyer standpoint. Uh, if you're looking at uh, the, the supply side, we've seen supply now decrease. This is before uh, the recent uh, announcements and production suspensions, but we've seen supply decrease from about 163 million pounds in 2016 down to uh, an estimated 140 million pounds in uh, this year. And that's in the backdrop of growing demand, uh, demand uh, that is uh, estimated uh, this year to be between 185 to 190 million pounds. So a pretty notable and significant supply deficit uh, that's having to be met by secondary supplies. And we're seeing these markets tighten up. And I think we'll see that continue, uh, especially with the uh, the supply disruptions that we're seeing, including Cigar Lake and, and, and other mines that have shut down uh, or been suspended uh, recently. Uh, so, uh, you know, when you have that kind of a supply uh, deficit uh, and you have highly concentrated uh, supply, primary mine supply globally, uh, just in a few operating mines, um, you know, that, that really does set the stage for um, uh, the, the, the serious price move uh, as we're starting to see. And again, we're not uh, in, in this sector, we're, it's not like we're coming out of a you know eight or nine year bull market like we've seen uh, in, in many other 
asset classes and sectors. This is uh, this has been, a, um, unfortunately, for the last eight or nine years, a very difficult sector to be in. And I think that uh, you know we're seeing that now that the, the the cycle turn. We're seeing a reversal. Uh, and again, it's it's being driven by very specific, uh, very specific uh, fundamentals uh, for the uh, for the metal. Uh, so when you look at that, um, and then you know, another thing I think worth noting as well is um, one of the biggest uh, drivers for uh, the uranium price historically has been utility contracting. Right, so we talked about most uh, uranium uh, and most material being bought and sold. Um, and being acquired by uh, nuclear uh, utility companies through contracts that they have uh, with the miners and with the suppliers. Well, we know that 50, over 50% of these existing contracts expire by 2025. Uh, and you have to actually uh, uh, factor in about a year to two years where you have to fabricate and enrich the fuel. So you move that back about a year to two years. Uh, and so we're only several years away for the majority from the majority of these contracts uh, having uh, a, 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 the risk of expiring. And so there's a lot of uncovered requirements uh, five to six years out. And these utility companies are now and purchasing managers are now going to have to come back uh, and negotiate uh, uh, are going to be forced to negotiate um, with the mining companies. And we know that the mining companies at the current, uh, call it, you know, low spot price of, you know, $26, $27 a pound, that's well below the average global cost of production. Uh, we know that they're not going to settle for uh, that, that those prices in long and selling material over uh, multi-year periods at those prices. So there has been an impasse as a result of that. Well, I think that that comes, finally comes to a head. And I think that Ultimately, the, the fuel buyers are going to have to pay more. Uh, they're going to have to buy the material at, uh, uh, you know, what we would deem to be uh, somewhat normal prices, uh, you know, in that 40 to $60 range. The average price, uh, the forecast price from uh, analysts that cover the sector range from 45 to $60 a pound. So a significant move, uh, you know, I call it a, uh, almost a, a doubling from the current spot price. Uh, so I, I, I see a new contracting cycle. Um, happening uh in short order i think that'll be uh, that'll be expedited with everything that's happening right now uh and uh and then a, another big thing uh more recently and, and certainly uh w- with a focus in the united states uh has been the security of supply and whether it's uh in in the u.s it's it's a national security concern on uh where the u.s sources its uranium uh as we know the u.s is uh uh, only produces about 1% of the uranium that it consumes annually. It's still the largest consumer of uranium for its nuclear reactor fleet, uh, yet uh, production has dwindled to next to nothing. Uh, it has to import uh, the vast majority of its fuel, uh, a good chunk of that coming from places like Kazakhstan, Russia, and Uzbekistan. So uh, as uh, I'm sure some of your listeners are familiar with, over the last uh, couple of years, there's, there was this Section 232 investigation that uh, uh, that ended up leading to a decision uh, in July of last year, uh, which uh, uh, ultimately went against, I think, what most market participants were expecting in that uh, uh, Trump and the administration decided against any trade action. And uh, we, we did see subsequent to that a nuclear fuel working group set up, which is which is still there. 
to uh, further uh, investigate and 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 uh, look at the situation. Uh, we're waiting to get um, uh, some resolution from that. That uh, has created uh, a quite a bit of uncertainty and and overhang, if you will, uh, and it has, I think, led to some price. Uh, weakness uh, in, in, in the equities uh, over the last year. Um, the uncertainty around Section 232 in the Nuclear Fuel Working Group has, has uh, forced um, US, uh, certain U.S. nuclear utilities to the sidelines. And when the largest buyer and consumer of uranium globally uh, isn't in the market as actively as they would be because of that, that's obviously going to have a detriment. Uh, it's going to be a detriment to the price um, and, to, and to share prices. And so we've seen that over the last while, but that is coming to an end as well. We we, ha- we did see earlier this year uh, the announcement uh, of a proposed $150 million a year um, budget for a uh, domestic reserve. Uh, we're still waiting to see details on, on what that exactly looks like and, and what that entails. But again, it, it's uh, I think it'll go a long way in just uh, providing some visibility and clarity on, on what utilities in the U.S. Uh, have to do in terms of where they have to buy from. Um, and, uh, uh, and I think that that will bring them back to the market and that will go a long way. So, again, it is. It's a, it's a, a wide multitude uh, of, uh, of factors here, uh, again, specific to the sector uh, that are driving uh, higher prices right now. And I think will continue to drive higher uranium prices uh, going forward. We've covered the uranium price. Please provide us with the current share price and capital structure for Sky Harbor Resources. So Sky Harbor has 75 million shares issued in outstanding. It trades at a uh, about a nine, uh, almost ten million dollar uh, valuation market cap. So relatively low. Um, and uh, I've been, you can see that I've been buying a fair bit of stock in the market recently. I see. Uh, the current price and valuation is is one of the the best value propositions uh, that uh, that this company's ever offered. Uh, given uh, what we have going on uh, in the field, uh, with results uh, coming out on several programs, high grade discovery potential uh, at our projects uh, in the Athabasca Basin, uh, strategic partnerships, uh, and uh, and like I said earlier, um, uh, I think a good shot at. Uh, uh, real value creation over the coming years uh, as we advance our project base. Um, but uh, also uh, just getting back to the macro picture for uranium and for this commodity, I do uh, believe it will outperform uh, other sectors and other metals uh, over the coming uh, months and, and potentially years, uh, given that it has suffered through um, a notably long uh, and ugly bear market. And we're just starting to see uh, we're just starting to see it come out of that right now. And uh, I think is, you know, with everything that's going on um, globally right now, there's there's a bit of a reset that's uh, been hit. Uh, and I think investors are going to be looking, um, uh, going to be looking for asset classes and sectors that they may not have looked at uh, over the last several years. And they're going to be looking at, you know, w- what is going to outperform, what, what is going to provide um, returns in in a in a tough market, and uh, again, given that this sector is relatively uncorrelated with the, the broader market, and that uh, there's there's a good case to be made that you're going to see a higher commodity price over the next little while. 
uh, I think uh, I think a little bit of investor interest will go a long way when the total combined market capitalization of all publicly traded uranium companies is now less than seven billion dollars. So you, you have uh, and to put that in perspective, uh, nuclear energy uh, globally uh, accounts for about eleven percent of electricity output. So here you have the companies that. Uh, mine that look for and mine the fuel for 11% of global electricity generation. Uh, the total combined market caps and valuations are only seven billion. So a little bit of investor interest will go a long way. And importantly for us as a small cap company, uh, we will see those dollars flow down to small cap names like Sky Harbor relatively quickly. Uh, there aren't a whole bunch of large cap mining companies, ETFs. And you can't buy physical uranium. So again, it's it's a, a unique uh, opportunity in that it's uh, it offers leverage and torque on a rising uranium price, uh, but you don't have to see uh, a lot of money captured with larger cap names and other uh, means of of getting investment exposure. Uh, you'll see investor dollars trickle down relatively quickly to the mid cap and small cap names in the space. Sir, what keeps you up at night that we don't know about? Well, I, I, I think like everyone else right now, uh, you know, watching how how this uh, uh, this virus and pandemic plays out, uh, you know, it's it's created obviously, um, you know, a panic sell-off in the broader markets. And unfortunately, when um, when you see you know days where the Dow's down, uh, you know, thousand, two thousand points, um, you get a liquidity event and and everything gets sold off. Uh, so you know, I. I um, uh, I, I right now, given everything that's happening, um, uh, you know, from a health standpoint, uh, loss of life and, and uh, you know, the, the uh, uh, collateral damage, if you will, of, you know, mark, financial markets and uh, selling off. And uh, it's, it's uh, you know, it's unprecedented times. And, you know, you, we just hope that um, things can, can get back to normal and, and that uh, we, we start seeing some, some more positive headlines out there. But, uh you know that that right now, unfortunately, um, you know, is out out of our control, obviously, and uh, uh, you know we just we want to make sure that uh, you know everyone's safe and, and healthy, and and uh, we we will get through this, and and uh, you know as I said uh, earlier, um, you know we're we're excited about our prospects for Sky Harbor. I think we do have a lot uh, to offer and a unique value proposition here, especially at the current valuation. Last question. What did I forget to ask? I think that uh, covers it all. Um, you know, we went through um, quite a bit. And uh, uh, so keep an eye out for news flow um, over the next several months. Uh, we're we're uh, uh, quite active, we've been quite active, and we're going to have uh, a number of key near-term catalysts, including drill results. Uh, keep an eye out for uh, further news uh, in the uranium sector, additional potential supply disruptions and cuts. Um, you know, big one will be in a few weeks, uh, whether we see uh, the, the uh, Cigar Lake mine restart uh, or if we see an extended shutdown uh, at the mine. Um, and, uh, and then also, you know, whether we see uh, mines in Kazakhstan uh, and uh, other mines globally uh, shut down. Um, and uh, yeah, so there's, uh, despite, you know, everything that's happening, um, you know, we, we specifically for Sky Harbor, uh, we, we do have uh, a lot to look forward to. And uh, I, I do believe that uh, we're, we're well positioned, very well positioned to benefit from a rising uranium price. 
Mr. Trimble, for someone listening that wants to get more information on Sky Harbor Resources, please share the contact details. So the company's website is www.skyharborltd.com. Um, it's, uh, uh, there's a wealth of information there, and, and all of our contact information is on the website. Sky Harbor Resources trades on the TSXV symbol S. Y-H, and on the OTCQB, S-Y-H-B-F. Sky Harbor Resources is a sponsor of Proven and Probable, and we are proud shareholders for the virtues conveyed in today's message. Before you make your next bullion purchase, make sure you call me. I'm a licensed representative for Miles Franklin Precious Metals Investments, where we provide a number of options to expand your precious metals portfolio, from physical delivery, offshore depositories, precious metal IRAs, and private blockchain distributed ledger technology. Call me directly at 855 505 1900, or you may email maurice at milesfranklin.com. Finally, please subscribe to provenandprobable.com for mining insights and bullion sales. Jordan Trimble of Sky Harbor Resources, thank you for joining us today on Proven and Probable. The information presented on Proven and Probable is provided for educational and informational purposes only, without any express or implied warranty of any kind, including warranties of accuracy, completeness, or fitness for any particular purpose. The information is not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice, or any other advice. You should not make any financial, investment, or trading decision based on any of the information presented without first undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional broker or competent financial advisor.